Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. As always, I am Steve, joined by my favorite hosts. Devin. Joe. Yeah, favorite. Because there's no other First comment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, once again, as always, we have another mystery for you today. That's a really groovy mystery. It's a groovy mystery. Oh, yeah. It's got death and everything. Uh, This one was sent in to us by Terry. She sent it to us on the Facebook page. So thank you, Terry. Because what we're going to talk about today is a series of unsolved murders. Hmm. Okay, well... The the how is solved. The who and the why is not. And for anybody who hasn't read the episode title, what we're going to be talking about today are the Tylenol murders, yeah. which happened in late September, early October of 1982. Mm. So here's our story. On the morning of September 29th, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman complained to her parents that she wasn't feeling so well. She had a sore throat. She died later that day. Of a sore throat? Uh, you're, you're, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little ahead of the game there, I sir. I think that's a drink for all of our listeners who are playing the drinking game. <laughs> a sore throat. Now, yeah. yeah. No, the blowing it up. No. Yeah. The, okay, back to the story. Sorry. Okay. The same day, Adam Janus or Janus, I'm not quite Janus. sure. Janus, who was a postal worker, died of what appeared to be a massive heart attack. And he was like 29, right? Yeah, he was a young guy. And his family, doing as families will do, they circled the wagon. Everybody gathered at his house for that, that time of grief. And go figure, uh, a couple of them got headaches because, well, it's a stressful time. His brother and his sister-in-law both decided that they take something to take the edge off. Why was that a bad idea? Yeah, and they both died. His brother, whose name was Stanley, died that very same day, and his sister-in-law, Teresa, died two days later. Mm. Several days later, Mary McFarlane, Paula Prince, and Mary Reiner each died unexpectedly. None of these people knew each other. They, they didn't have anything in common. Well, okay, they had one thing in common. Okay. They had taken 
each prior to their death an extra strength Tylenol. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Mary Kellerman, the 12-year-old girl, yeah. her parents, because she had a sore throat, had given her an extra strength Tylenol. I don't understand. Yeah, what's this got to do with them dying? How'd they die? No, I don't understand why anybody would, like, first of all, give a 12-year-old extra strength anything, but second it was of the all, 80s. for a sore throat, like, I think that that wasn't her only symptom. I think that was the main uh, symptom. Okay. Uh, Adam Janice had taken the extra strength Tylenol just before he died, and his brother and sister-in-law had also taken pills from the same bottle. Turned out, each of these seven people had unknowingly consumed a pill that was laced with potassium cyanide. That's not great. Mm -hmm. No! It's not really something the body craves. Uh-uh. Not at all. It's It's extremely toxic to the human body. Uh, what potassium cyanide does is it stops the tissues in your body from being able to take up the oxygen that's in your bloodstream, which means that you die from histotoxic hypoxia, which literally is your body cannot absorb the oxygen. It's a lethal dose of potassium cyanide is somewhere between two or 300 milligrams, mm. which is a really, really small dosage. If we try and put that into a frame of reference for people to, you know, think about it in an everyday scenario, 200 milligrams is about three to 400 grains of sugar. Huh. That's not a lot. Not yeah. a whole lot. So it doesn't take a lot of this stuff to kill you. Mm. Now, once it was determined by the investigators that Tylenol was the link between these people, panic broke out. People were throwing Tylenol away. Stores were yanking it off of the shelves. Johnson & Johnson, who was the who is the parent company of McNeil Consumer Products, who made Tylenol at the time. Mm. And I honestly don't know if they're still the ones Johnson making it. Johnson & Johnson still makes it. Well, but I mean, uh, McNeil Consumer Products was the one who so. makes it, but I don't think they do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing. They were in full-blown damage control mode trying to figure out what was going on and why their product was killing people and how this poison got into their pills. They quickly, Johnson & Johnson, quickly put out a statement saying that the poison could not have been put in the pills in their manufacturing process and it had to have happened somewhere after the pills had left their hands. Right. I think that's fair. It is. Well, and they, it's easy they, enough to do. Well, but they had they had great evidence because what they did is they tracked the lot numbers on the medication, the the lethal doses mm -hmm, of medication, mm -hmm. and they figured out that the lot numbers were from medication that was produced at two different plants, one in Puerto Rico and one in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that'd be mm -hmm. hard. That'd be well, really hard to have it introduced at the manufacturing level. And yeah. besides which, that stuff would have wound up being distributed all over the place, not just northeast chicago exactly right? mm -hmm. yeah. exactly because yeah I, and that's a good point thank you joe i don't know if i specified here that this is all happening in a suburb or a larger area of chicago kind of around where the o'hare uh, airport is now mm -hmm. there's a bunch of suburban areas and that's where this is all happening this is probably a good point to stop the story and explain something about Tylenol for any of our listeners who aren't young enough to know this. Like me. It's not just Tylenol, right? It's pills. Well, it's pills, yes. It's yeah. pills in general, but this a lot of this is related to Tylenol, uh, specifically the... Their, it's acetaminophen is what yeah. they were using. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's their acetaminophen tablets. Or caplets, I should say. Yeah. Capsules. Capsules, yeah. Capsules. Today, when you go into the store and you buy any medicine and you look at the bottle, there's usually a couple of seals on the bottle. We're talking about over-the-counter medication? Over-the-counter over yeah. counter medication. Not well, prescription usually, stuff. Yeah, usually the bottle's in a box that's sealed and then there's a... Right. Yeah. Well, it, and, and the I looked up the regulations on what has to have what, and it's really too boring to go into. Mm -hmm. But typically, there's one to two layers of protection before you get to the box. Sure. But the point is, when you buy over-the-counter medication now, typically there's some kind of plastic shrink wrap seal on the lid. Mm -hmm. 
maybe it's got printing on it or perforations so it's very obvious if it's been removed or messed with and then when you open up the lid there's some kind of seal on the top of the bottle which mm -hmm. is a big pain in the ass to get off it can be. yeah but it's you know it's plastic or it's foil or paper or something like that yeah. that is what we are used to didn't used to be that way didn't used to be that way because in the uh, up until that point a bottle of pills was sealed with the lid. Mm. Yep. And you open the lid, and there's that silly piece of cottony material, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds safe. <laughs> well, I was safe back in the days when there weren't psychos poisoning your pills. Well, yeah, I think it, it speaks to some of the, uh, about how naive industries were about people wanting to do harm to others via their products people just didn't think it would it would ever happen mm -hmm. yeah well people didn't do that kind of crap yeah you know, until no. this this came along and now that now it happens i mean as we all know there were copycats of this mm -hmm. so. it happens all the Razor time blades that, and apples you know it's hard yeah. Yeah. Now, now that the idea is out there you pretty much have to seal everything up. You, you have to and and all of the the products that we get now that are sealed they were there was laws passed ironically enough called the Tylenol bill, mm -hmm. which requires that be put into place. We should also, while we're talking about the medication, we should probably talk about the pills themselves. As we alluded to a little bit earlier, extra strength Tylenol and a lot of other over-the-counter medication came in a capsule. It's not a solid pill. It's not a gel-coated pill. It's not what we're used to now. It's like it's more like what you get vitamins, like specific vitamins in mm -hmm. these days. Yep. Yeah, there's still or lots of diet stuff that, pills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of stuff that comes in capsules still. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not nearly as common as it is, but for anybody who doesn't know, it's it's two pieces that go together almost like a Russian nesting doll. They they fit uh, together and they seal. They slide well, I guess together. it's one inside the other, so yeah, one inside the other. They're rounded on the ends. They're very easy to pull open and you guys the know what these things are. Yes. Everybody knows what these yeah, things well, are. Sure. It, they became super popular because they were easy to swallow, un unlike like a dry aspirin. Yeah, they're also, you can, a lot of health nuts these days, you know, f you can fill your own capsules. You can just get whatever you want. And, and that is the Achilles heel of the capsule yeah. when it comes to medication is yeah. it can be opened and the medicine can be taken out or, in this case, added to. Mm -hmm. which, or substituted for. Exactly, right. which is... Uh, big problem and that's the reason that you, a lot of things now are gel coats or whatever they are so that these over-the-counter medications can't easily be tampered with i think it also is worth noting that johnson the way that johnson and johnson handled this whole thing i don't know if we were going to talk about this or not but it's been praised as pretty much one of the best corporation handlings of a huge yes. disaster like this of yeah. all times. And, so yeah. I think that's probably worth mentioning a little bit too. Oh yeah, we will definitely. It went really well for We them. will talk <laughs> about the okay. good and the bad. Great. It was kind of disastrous for them. Although, oh yeah. It, although, you know, at the same time, I mean, you know, I would, I would be looking at this and I'd be saying, okay, I'm pitching up my Tylenol and then I'd, and then I'd go to the store to buy some other pain reliever and and I would say, oh, no Johnson & Johnson. But then I'd, I'd think to myself, well, what about the other manufacturers? I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. as likely to be tainted. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's the issue that we'll talk about in a bit here because we're going to get into some of that copycat okay. stuff. Great. But back to the story. So at this point in the story, they figured out that Tylenol is the culprit. And what we think is go was going on was someone was taking the bottles of extra strength Tylenol Taking them out of the store, opening the capsules, adding the potassium cyanide to them on the order of magnitude of thousands of times a lethal dose. So this person was dumping a lot of that stuff in there. Mm. Uh, then putting them back together, putting them back in the bottle, and somehow getting the bottle back on the shelf for some other unsuspecting person to buy and consume. It wasn't which, just... Pills full. It wasn't just a capsule full of that. It also had acetaminophen in it. Uh, I believe that based on the fact that it was, you know, two to 300 milligrams is enough to kill you. Right. And it was up to 10,000 times the required dose. I have a feeling that it was probably no medication at all cyanide. That'd be my guess too, because I think acetaminophen, Tylenol specifically, is typically 500 milligrams. 
at least it is now i don't know if it was then that's one of the like differences between tylenol and advil i don't know if you know this or not but advil is 250 milligrams a pill okay and tylenol is 500 typically so you can take more advil in like a dose Uh, right you can better whatever but anyways i just thought i'd ask if it was i'm pretty sure that it was nothing but cyanide it seems like it would be hard to get that much into a capsule i'm pretty sure that they Mm -hmm. were just dumping out all the medication yeah Yeah, probably yeah why not you know go go for the gusto it's not like the person's gonna taste it in their food or something no no because it's a pill you just swallow it kind of surprising that they whoever it was managed to do all this without poisoning themselves uh yeah, I, I I they had to have some working knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to presume that they knew how to handle this substance without killing themselves. And yeah. also where to get it or how to make it. Yeah. Well, and there's some of that uh, as as you know we've been alluding to. We'll be getting into as always in the theories. Of course. But the police and the FBI. Yeah, the FBI got involved. Of course they did. Began collecting pain reliever from stores all over Chicago. Um, now because as we said they were all in the same area of mm-hmm, town mm-hmm. the the investigators focused there first do you know what suburbs of chicago names uh, the neighborhoods were there there was five of them it was elk grove winfield arlington heights elmhurst and lyle mm. those means? were the neighborhoods or the suburbs where this happened i like that you can actually pronounce lyle Lyle? <laughs> so there's a weird L. There's a weird S in there. I don't know. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. So that's a good good thing to know. We don't know exactly how many bottles of this medicine were tainted. Mm. There was there. They found five stores that had tampered bottles, but I say we don't know the exact number because it's entirely possible that there were more. And people who bought them didn't end up taking them because they chucked them yeah. after this whole thing yeah. blew up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would I make would've. sense. Although, if they'd held on to them, they could have sold them years later on eBay. Uh, well, of course, because they knew eBay was coming. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, what, what investigators had to do, and this had to be just a horrible job, is once they'd collected all of those bottles, they had to test the pills and they had to test each one because it wasn't every pill in the bottle was poisoned Mm. it was a handful of them were poisoned in there which makes it a bit of a game of russian roulette like a literal game of russian roulette yeah 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 exactly not with a gun so sorry with a bottle of pills that are going to kill you Mm, yeah or somebody and so the uh some of the bottles had just one pill some of them had several is that the way it worked? It was several per bottle, yes. Mm. And it seemed to have varied. Some would have two or three. Some seemed to have five or six. Mm. The accounting is, I mean, it's 30-some years later. Yeah. It's been rewritten. As always, we find different interpretations of the numbers. So I'm not positive. Mm, that was, that's interesting about the uh, the case of um, one of the first ones who died. Who the, was... the girl? No, the second one. Uh, oh, Adam uh, Janus? Adam Janus, yeah, or Janus, however his name is pronounced. It's kind of interesting that um, that three pills came out of that bottle and all three of them were poisonous. It's possible that more than three pills came out of that bottle. Mm. That's true. It's too, possible because they weren't all tainted that other people took the Tylenol and didn't suffer any ill effects because they didn't get the poison pill. Yeah, yeah. they lucked out, huh? Well, anyway, we can talk about that later. But uh... well, no, I mean it's it's a it's a great point. It's just they're not all gonna be poisoned. They mm. weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of poison for somebody to sit there and painstakingly scoop up and put into each pill. So it was, wouldn't what, be fun. Yeah, was Adam Janus married, by the way? I do not believe he was. Really? So it was just him. We talked about this a little bit before, but the copycat killings that oh, happened because yeah. of this. This is another one of those things where the media actually made the problem worse because they told the world about this. And exactly how it happened. And exactly how it happened. Every yo-yo with a grudge poisoned pills. Uh, In the first month after this happened in 1982, Mm -hmm. 270 cases of tampering. Oh, my gosh. It was it was things as simple as somebody trying to kill their spouse, 
a lot of them did, uh-huh. or somebody they didn't know. Uh-huh. And then to cover their tracks, they all fell, follow the same path. I've got to cover my path. So what do they do? They stick a bottle back on the shelf and kill some other unsuspecting poor schlab. Yeah. It's a great way to cover your tracks. It is, but it's freaking terrible is what it is. It's super it is. immoral, yeah. It is, yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, the, the, you know, murdering your spouse is kind of bad, too. Yeah. Murdering anybody is bad, It's kids. kind of bad. A lot of these people, though, were not nearly as crafty about it in terms of covering their tracks, because a bunch of them got caught. The feds, they don't screw around about this anymore. Right. The, the laws that went into effect are so stern. There's a woman, uh, what is her name? Stella Nickel? Hmm. She poisoned Excedrin capsules with cyanide and killed her husband. And then, to again, to cover her tracks, she poisoned some other pills and stuck them in a bottle, stuck them back on the shelf. Mm. Uh She killed a woman named Susan Snow. And for those two deaths, she was sentenced to 90 years in prison. Well, to be fair, she killed two people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's about right. She could potentially have killed a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I'm not I'm not questioning that sentence at all. No. It's just a great example of once they put that rule in effect, they went after people like like a bulldog. Right. Well, mm-hmm. as well they should. Yeah. That seems reasonable. As Devin had talked about earlier, Johnson and Johnson through this whole thing came out like the shining star. Yeah. Uh, they're they're referenced in business books and all this stuff about how to handle a consumer situation because they were the first to institute the packaging regulations on medication. Actually, they did it before it became a regulation. They just started doing it. Mm-hmm. They willingly pulled their products from the shelves. They offered refunds. They pulled... The hospitals loved to use Tylenol, especially extra strength Tylenol. Yeah. And they, they yanked it all out of the hospitals willingly. They didn't have to at the time that they did it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the FDA came in and said, get that crap out of here. But they had already gotten it out of the stores mm-hmm. and the hospitals. Um after things had settled down, they went on a huge PR campaign. They offered coupons. They had refunded people already. They were they were advertising how they had all these protections on their pill bottles. In the end, one year after this happened, they had only lost 10% of their market share. And incredible. they were at the top to begin yeah, with. Yeah, and as you know, they're, they're still going strong now. But, I, you know, I really, really... It would have been right after this whole thing happened, you know, right after the whole, they were pulling them off the shelves. You know, you know that J&J stock had to be tanking. What a great time to buy Johnson & Johnson stock. It would have been. Well, oh, when yeah. we go back in our time machine, that's what we'll do. But, yeah, and that might be part of this. Maybe the guy that did this did it because he wanted to make their stock tank so he could buy a bunch of it. Oh. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say no. We'll wait till the theories are... Well, this is that we're at the theory, so that is a possible theory that somebody did it to tank their stock, according to Joe. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, do you have any, you want to flesh that out at all, sir? No, it just occurred to me just okay. now. Yeah, I it would was say John that, Titer. I would say that the, uh, yeah, it could have been a time traveler, I don't yeah. know. But I would say that uh, the FBI needs to go back and just interview every stockbroker who was <laughs> <at> the time. <laughs> yeah, this sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our first theory, uh, most of our theories are going to be about specific people. The first theory is about a guy named James Lewis. And James Lewis is the name that you're going to see more often than not when you do any reading on this. Mm. The reason is, is that he didn't do the smartest thing ever. When the story broke and everybody's freaking out, what does he do? He writes a letter to Johnson & Johnson requesting a million dollars to make the killing stop. Mm. And by the way, don't bring the the cops in. Mm. Yeah, and then he signed his name to it. Signed a blonde. (laughs) No, he didn't, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) But uh, Johnson & Johnson didn't play ball. They immediately turned over the letter to the authorities. I believe it was the FBI yep. who figured out from the postmark where he was. He was in New York and they went hunting for him. That's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they also had connected him to another letter that they were looking into, which was a letter that he had sent to Reagan 
threatening the life of the president, because Ronald Reagan was a president at the time, mm-hmm. if Reagan didn't change the tax code. I probably should have sent that to Congress, huh? Because <laughs> the tax code, yeah, yeah. That, that really makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Lewis and his wife, I, they were living in a hotel. I think it was a short-term stay hotel kind of situation, if I understand it correctly. Rent by the week. Yeah. Yeah. When they got wind, or somehow they got wind, that the the, the feds were after them. And they went on the lamb because they didn't want to get arrested. Weird. I know, crazy. Um, Lewis and his wife were on the lamb. Eventually, a tip came in eight weeks after they disappeared, and he was arrested. His wife shortly thereafter turned herself in. And, of course, the FBI went after him full force because they were sure that he was responsible for poisoning all of these people. In the end, the only thing they could pin on him was the extortion attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, after he, all, it was in New York and not Chicago. Yep, yeah, that's a very good point, and that does play into a lot of the stuff about him. But he got sentenced to 25 years in prison. He served 13, but he did get a... He, I don't remember exactly what the reason was he per, was paroled, but he's, a, he's an elderly guy at this point. And I don't know that they thought he was a threat anymore, but he they, did serve time for the extortion alone. They're still trying to hang the crime on him. They are because, you know, guilty of one crime or one is good enough for the other, right? No. No, it's not. This is America. <laughs> America. Um, well, here's the problems with Lewis being the perpetrator of this entire thing. He was in New York. He was in New York. (laughs) It's a big one. He would have had to have somehow gotten to Chicago to drop off all the poison pills. Well, we know from his wife's co-workers that he showed up every day to have lunch with his wife, or almost every day. They don't remember him missing hardly ever, and it wasn't ever a consecutive set of days. Uh Now, thank you, Google. I figured out it takes today 12-plus hours by car to drive from New York to Chicago. By today's cars. By today's cars. Cars were much slower in those days. They were. They only got went like 30 miles an hour. Well, they no. went a little faster than that. <laughs> yeah, but no. the point is, that is a full 24 hours of time just in driving, never yeah. mind having to stop, sleep, eat, drop off the poison. Yeah, like smuggle them back onto the shelves. Exactly. He, I mean, he, okay. He could have flown there, Mm -hmm. but if this guy's living in a short-term SRO kind of situation, don't think he's got a lot of money for an airplane ticket. Plus, that leaves a huge paper trail. Mm -hmm. Could have have been under a false name, but... Could they... they probably, it's probably too late to check on this, but the, of the batch numbers yeah, that, that, was that they what found I was there, were any of those distributed in New York? Because that's obviously where he would have had to buy them and tamper with them. He's not going to drive to Chicago, spend 24 hours tampering with pills. I'm going to shelves. have to say no. I don't think they because did. Because I, I would imagine that the feds would have tracked that down, and if there was any link they'd have slapped the charges on him for it. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I know they're still interested in this guy as a suspect. Which is... Oh, absolutely. And um... Oh, they, yeah, as recently as 2011, they collected DNA and fingerprints from him and his wife. Yeah. They have bupkis, but they tried to track it, you know, to see if they could pin anything to him. Yeah. yeah. And they, they have nothing. Here's why I'm sure they're wrong about Lewis. What is this? Is that he didn't need to, he didn't need to really kill all these people to extort Johnson & Johnson. He could have tampered with pills, put them on shelves at stores, put them towards the back so they're less likely to get bought, then send your letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding a million dollars, telling him, you know, if you send me a million bucks, I'll tell you which stores have got poisonous Tylenol on the shelves. Yeah, do a monster then, 21 faces thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. There's no, there was no need for him to actually... And he, you know, he didn't send his letter until... Everybody had died, pretty much. No, his letter was a crime of opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. absolutely I mean, this guy, was. he was, he ran scams. Uh-huh, yeah. He did a lot of shady things to make a buck, 
And I, I'm pretty sure that that's the deal, is that it was another way for him to say, hey, honey, uh, maybe I can make a couple bucks off. They may not give me the million, but maybe they'll give me something. It's uh-huh. worth a shot. Oh, oops, I'm 13 years later. I'm just getting out of jail. Yeah. yeah Didn't you know, work out so well for him. I, I really do think the FBI should stop wasting their time on this guy, though. I agree. Next up. On our theories slash suspect suspect list. Wow, that was a cool pronunciation. I have no idea. Yes, the the suspect list. Yeah. Uh. Is uh, yeah, I think I was trying to say suspect and unsub at the same time because I watch one of those TV shows that uses unsub all the time. Yeah, no, it's a terrible thing to say. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what I don't. You're oh no, you're not jerking my chain. No, I really don't. Um, it's unknown subject. Oh, unsub. Oh. It's a dumb thing. Okay. Can we... We're going to just leave that behind. Yes, please. Let's talk about our next crazy suspect. Yep. Which is a lady by the name of Lori Dan. Here's her story. This is really tragic and sad. Is mm. she was a woman who, on the 20th of May, 1987, first tried to set off a firebomb in an elementary school... Then set fire to the home of people who she babysat for. Mm-hmm. By the way, the mom and the two kids were in the basement, though they did get out. Oh, by the way, how how old was Lori Dan when she wanted her crime spree? Uh she was. I don't think. I think she was not quite thirty years old okay. when that happened. What else did she do? Well, she went to an elementary school with guns. Mm. She shot and killed one boy and wounded several other children. She then left that school, talked her way into a house that was nearby, and then shot one of the people who lived there before everybody got out. And in the end... She shot herself. Oh, that's quite the spree. I know. Wow. It is the spree. And, and, and well, okay. So this lady went on a spree. Why is everybody trying to pin this tragic story of her back to the Tylenol Yeah, like murders? five years later. Well, let's walk through the points of why it could be her, which is okay. first, she lived in the Chicago area at the time. Mm. She had tried to poison people before. Mm. And... If we look at what she did on the day she died, she took snacks and juice boxes and laced them with arsenic, and then some of them she mailed. Some she had done several days prior to her spree Mm -hmm. and mailed them to people. Others she delivered by hand trying to poison these folks. It didn't kill anybody, thankfully, because the arsenic was so diluted and it tasted terrible that nobody would consume the entire cookie or juice or whatever it might have been that she poisoned. But, I mean, not to speak ill of the dead, but this woman who obviously had a mental condition, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not being rude, she did have... A mental condition. She had some depression issues. There were some things going on. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see her organ being organized enough to have pulled off the Tylenol murders. I mean... Well, also, you know, she obviously knew how to make or procure potassium cyanide. Why bother with arsenic? Arsenic is not actually that effective. Yeah, like poison. a really weak dose of arsenic, too, right? Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of arsenic to kill that? somebody. And, and whoever did this, they were pretty slick on getting in and out of stores, and nobody noticed anything was amiss. Yeah. She was not that good with her product tampering because the juice boxes... Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bunch of people noticed that the corners were pulled up and they were leaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's a giant problem. Obviously, yeah. So I, I just, I mean, I, I it, everything she did called attention to what she did, and I just don't think she had the wherewithal to be sneaky enough to get away with it. Yeah. Now, was she uh, in between the original poisonings and her crimes spree here? Did was she institutionalized for any length of time? I don't think she was. She she had been ma- a, a lot of stuff that happened prior to her spree. 
She had been married. The marriage had fallen apart. She was in a, having a really rough time. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember her having been uh, put into an institutional situation at all. Yeah, it just seems odd that she, she would she like to poison people. That there'd be this five year gap between the original poisonings and and then this crime spree. Yeah, no, and institu- yeah. it being institutionalized would explain why yeah. there was a gap. But I don't exactly. I don't remember seeing anything about her having been locked up. Mm. Uh, but we'll go on to our next suspect. Which I'll be honest, this one's a bit of a kooky, outlandish one, but yeah, that's dumb. The, yeah, it's the Unabomber. <laughs> no, yeah. Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. No. Yep. Where is Where is Ted these days? Uh, in a prison. That's, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the FBI collected DNA evidence from Kaczynski several years ago because they wanted to see if maybe he had been responsible for this. It's understandable in the late 70s, early 80s, he had been active in the Chicago area. I think he had done a couple of things, a couple of bombings or something like that. I can't remember what he did in the early 80s, but they knew that's where he was. Plus, his family had a home in that area. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they his, checked him. His specialty was sending letter bombs to people. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, it yeah. seems like yeah. ugh, the M.O. was a little different there. Yeah, a lot different. Yeah. Well, and go figure, his DNA didn't match right. yeah. anything and, that they have. And right. he also, whatever they have. He also singled out specific people for his letter bombs for whatever reasons. Not, not justifiable ones, obviously, but he didn't just necessarily kill people randomly yeah well and he he vehemently denied that he was involved with this i mean he's he's fessed up to most of what he did but yeah. he vehemently denies that he was ever involved in this right. so that theory meh i'm not gonna give it any i'm not gonna give it legs meh, whatever yeah. bottom of the stack yeah, yeah. Now we're going to go on to our next suspect, uh-huh. and that is a guy by the name of Roger Arnold. Roger Arnold, this guy's story is really kind of sad. He was a dock hand at the time in the Chicago area who went out one night, had a couple of drinks, maybe one too many, and made a couple of statements while he was at the bar about the poisonings, which gave some people around him pause and go figure, somebody called the cops. Yeah, I would have. I oh, don't know yeah. what he said, but... I, I don't know exactly what he said either. I, I couldn't ever really pin that down, but it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. The point is, he said something that alarmed folks. There were some... And when you know, he got arrested, the cops started looking into him. What do they find? Well, they find some weak connections between him and some of the victims. There was the vi- the connection between Mary Reiner and him... The connection between them was that Arnold had worked at a jewel warehouse where her father also worked. There was also the fact that, according to some newspaper research, the police had gotten a tip that his ex-wife had been committed to a uh, psychiatric ward at a Mm -hmm. hospital, which just happened to be across the street from the store where Mary Reiner purchased her Tylenol. So this is two connections to her. Oh, and by the way, he was a do-it-yourself chemist. Oh, Because when they searched his house, they found unregistered guns and chemicals and beakers and funnels. Oh, my. Fun. Yeah. Probably, probably just using them to make LSD or something. I don't know exactly what he was doing, but what they found was not what they wanted. And by they, I mean the, the, the cops. Because he didn't have potassium cyanide, he had potassium carbonate, which is harmless. It's not going to do anything to you. I don't know what he was using it for. Mm-hmm. And he never said, this is a quote, this is the greatest quote ever from somebody who's in trouble. I'm not saying what the chemicals were used for, but it was nothing illegal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll take his word for it. Yeah. He, he got charged, uh, he got charges for the weapons and, um, assault. I don't, I think the assault was something related to his wife prior issues between he and his wife, but he didn't take this so well. He got pretty worked up and he carried a huge grudge about it for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, one of the invested interrogators actually said that they quoted him as saying, I'd like to be on the homicide of the guy that turned me in for what he did to me. Mm-hmm. So he's got a huge beef 
Yeah, like probably, whoever called him in. Probably forgiveness would have been a better path for him, I considering think, how it all turned out yeah. for him. I'm just looking up uses of potassium chloride. Carbonate? Carbonate, sorry. Okay. Will yeah. you let me know what, what you find? I'm so going to tell everybody. glass and china production. Okay. Mm, drying agents. You can use it to make grass jelly, which is a Chinese and Southeast Asian food. Um, it's got a myriad number of uses, but nothing... You can make meat or wine with it. Ah. You can suppress fires. That's the thing. Yeah, that's, uh, you see it in fire extinguishers. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a couple things. None of them seem particularly interesting. Treacherous. No, not at all. But it's interesting what, you know, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm not going to tell you what I used it for, but it wasn't illegal. Like, why wouldn't you just tell them what it is then? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for all I know, the guy was using it to cut Coke. Yeah. I mean, he could have been doing something yeah, as simple but... as that, as he was selling coke on which, cocaine on the side. In fairness, it. it's illegal. Oh, yeah. But... Which is why he wouldn't say anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not illegal to use a potassium carbonate until you actually cut the coke with it. Yes. So, yeah. That's true. So you until the cocaine right. comes into the equation. True. Yeah, yeah. Technically, Joe's right. Technically, yeah. he's right. Uh, well, here's where everything kind of careened off track for him. There was a, a guy by the name of John Stanisha, I want to say. I want to pronounce it. Anybody? I'll go, I'll go with Stanisha. Okay. Stanisha d- didn't know Arnold. Uh, he had been out. He'd had some drinks. It was last call, and he was leaving the Lincoln Avenue bar on the 18th of June, 1983. So this is a full year, or not quite a year after the poisonings. Mm-hmm. Arnold saw him, believed that he was the same heavy set man that he remembered probably being the one that ratted him out or yeah, called the, the cops. The dude he was drunkenly saying stuff to. Right. Yeah. So he walked up to him. He yelled at him, you turned me in, and he shot him point blank. Ooh, that's not great. And killed him. Not smart. Yeah. Mm-mm. Not the best idea. No, Arnold was tried and convicted and sentenced to 30 years for murder, but there was never any strong connection to him for the Tylenol. No, no, I don't think so either. He but, was, uh... it was a matter, he just, he was opened his mouth at the wrong place in time. He probably just made a stupid joke. Probably. He v- very you know, well. You go, he gets drunk and is like, oh, yeah, I did that to cover up my wife's murder. You know, the, just or the he knew joke. the girl and was like, oh, yeah, that girl was a blop bleepity bleep bleep yeah. and she got what she deserved. And people are like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, hang on here. Yeah. Uh, Simple hey. as that. Okay, we ready to keep going? Yes? Yeah. Good. Because uh, the next yeah. one up on our list of suspects... Isn't really... It's a terrible name because it's based on a profile. It is an unknown antisocial slash angry at society male, likely white. Which is I mean... sexist. <laughs> Let's be fair, though. That's probably the profile of whoever did this. It is. Typically, guys are more likely to murder than women are. And you would have to be antisocial and angry at society to do something like this. I mean... The the thing that I shake my head at every time about this profile is profiles work because they help you pin it down on somebody. This 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 profile is so vague, it... It borders on useless. It to could me. be Joe. It, oh, really? Wait, it I'm could be. Were you in Chicago in the eighties? He was, uh, wasn't he? He's not telling. Uh, no, I, I was never nowhere near Chicago at any time in the 1980s. Okay, uh, I, I gotta tell you. Here's here's the profile. The profile of was of someone who was angry at society and wanted to lash out at it, and they believed that that person was at the time or possibly had received psychiatric care. Okay, so all of Chicago. <laughs> this uh, this subject. Could have also complained about how society was wronging him and probably tried to contact someone that he considered to be in a position of power. That person didn't recognize his communication or basically refused to listen to him. Said, hey, dude, you're crazy. Which made him angrier. Yeah. The Tylenol killer would have lived, obviously, I think we've established this, in the Chicago area and had a decent knowledge of at least the neighborhoods Mm -hmm. that this took place in. Mm -hmm. 
this is where I go. This is really a borderline um, profile. He had to own a vehicle to get to the distances between each store. That just cracks me up. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's true, but okay. I don't either. Could have taken a bus. It could have happened over months. I mean, you don't know when they were put. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a million ways to get around in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's it's really it's it's funny. Um, the the things that actually really stand out to me for this profile that I think have some validity are that they figure that this person had to have worked in a job or industry that gave access to potassium cyanide. Those are the gold and silver mining industries film processing at the time or some form of chemical manufacturing, which also means that it's a low wage job, which would fuel the anger issue that they talked about because they'd said in this profile making low wage. So therefore in kind of a semi poverty situation, but why would it be a low wage job? And there's lots of good paying jobs and you know, the chemical industry and things like that. It would be what somebody would consider a menial job. So this is what the profiler believes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I can see it. somebody, if I work in a chemical factory, and yeah, I make an okay living, but this job sucks, then they're angry because their lot in life is terrible I, to them. I want to address the fact that somebody could walk out of their job with something like that. Mm, that yeah. seems wrong. That's me. a little scary. I, uh, it's you know, really scary. It's a good question about how tightly they control that stuff. Seems like something that's that lethal. Maybe you put a lock on it. Now, I've, I've got one thing to say about that. Two words. Aldrich Ames. CIA. Big Russian mole was walking out of CIA headquarters with grocery bags full of secret documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Seems like so, they should have kept a lock on that, too. Yeah, I was saying, if the CIA is that sloppy, <laughs> what do you think about this chemical company yeah, over here? That's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's scary, yeah. though. That's really scary. Oh, yeah. It, it, to think that if this is right, this person could have at any time lashed out again in some method using this poison. Yeah. I think we're lucky that yeah. they didn't. I don't know why it didn't happen again, but it's scary. Well, Maybe that they is crap out of me. That, that is a good question as to why it didn't happen again. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it could be as simple as one of the people, it, and this isn't something that I've seen in the theories, and this is me just kind of spitballing, mm. but it's possible that one of the people that was involved in this whole thing made themselves a victim. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, one of the ways to be remembered is to die with everybody else. Yeah. Also well, a good way to not get caught. Yeah. What I was what I was actually thinking is that... Uh, is that one of the people here, essentially the person who did it wanted to kill one person mm-hmm. who was probably one of the early people to die. Because, you know, the question is, is why Tylenol? Why do you pick Tylenol for, for the delivery vehicle? And why is, it, why is it that a certain number of people die, but then it's all pulled from the shelves, and then you don't do it again? This is always Joe's theory, though. With yeah. any like yeah. big murder, it's always that one person was the victim, and then you just kind of did a couple other people for fun. Yeah, but exactly. But the, the copycats prove that that's actually what happened. It's a yeah. good. It's a good mo. That's actually, true. but I mean, there's there's the woman. Uh, there was a woman that. Oh gosh, I can't remember what pill she poisoned, but she poisoned her husband. And then stuck a couple of bottles back on the shelves to cover her tracks to make it look like her husband was the first victim. Mm -hmm. People continually did that. Yeah. Now, with the woman that I'm thinking of specifically, she, in a lot of these, these people didn't know what they were doing. And they left trace evidence behind, whether it was in the pills that were poisoned or stuff in their house. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't. I didn't see anything that said that something like that was found in the victims' houses. Mm-hmm. And you would think that if it was somebody who was trying to kill that person and then covered up, there would have been something discovered because people tend to be sloppy and not think about all the angles, especially at a time when crime CSI shows were not the thing and everybody didn't consider themselves an expert. They just didn't think anybody would know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it, 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 it may be. Some people are smarter than other people. You know, True. Criminal, criminals get busted pretty readily and, and fast because they tend to be kind of dumb. 
But if somebody was a little smarter than the average bear, then they could have probably covered their tracks a little more carefully. Or just took more time with it. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. so let's, 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 let's think about this for a second. Now, you want to murder your, say, your, your, your husband or your wife for the life insurance money or whatever. And you have to pick away. So, if, um, so let's say you're, you're a wife, you're going to kill your husband. Your husband has chronic back pain. He's taking that. He's taking pills pretty much constantly for it. And like, if if it wasn't chronic back pain, say for example, your husband has severe allergies and he's having to take Benadryl capsules for it. Well, that's that's your delivery vehicle. So if I was going to look at this, because if you're planning on killing a specific person, you can't get these all out there on the shelves and then into this guy's medicine cabinet, waiting because by the time because I I have Advil in my medicine cabinet, I take it rarely. Because I rarely get a headache or anything like that. So, in other words, if you're planning on murdering somebody with the Tylenol, you've got to be pretty certain that he's going to eat that. He's going to eat the poison pill very shortly before the whole thing hits the newsstands. True. So, if I were the FBI, I'd go back and I'd look at all the victims and all their families and and friends and loved ones and stuff, find out the victim who had chronic pain issues, and ask yourself who wanted him to be dead. And I think that you might have the person there. Maybe, yeah. and, and that's just that's pure. pure I mean, that's that's part, really. that's a course of action. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I imagine at this point, thirty some years later, that course of action has probably been run dry a hundred times. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. But let's let's go to our final suspect. Our last suspect is Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. It's a potential cover-up. They did have access to the pills. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Because remember we talked about here when we were going through this is that Johnson & Johnson appeared from the beginning to be as much a victim of the entire thing as the people who died. And they they did seem to do everything right. They were taking all the steps. Everybody thought they were great. And their PR folks were working overtime. And that might be what they wanted you to believe is that they were the innocent victims. Yeah, I like this theory a lot. It's it's really interesting. I had never, ever thought about this. There's a guy by the name of Scott Bartz. He wrote a book called The Tylenol Mafia. And I'm really sad. I wasn't able to get a hold of it ahead of time. But I'm going to track this book down. Mm. But he brings up some points about this story that are really hard to ignore. And... All in all, rather disturbing. First off, do you remember uh, how I said that all those bottles of Tylenol were gathered up from the stores uh, and and had to be tested? Mm. Yeah. Johnson & Johnson did the testing. It wasn't the FBI or the police or some independent lab. It was Johnson & Johnson who was doing it. Which means that they could technically control the results that got published Mm. about how much was found. But are you sure about that? Because I find it hard to believe that the FBI would turn over criminal evidence and not keep it in their in their own possession. I find that really, really hard to believe. This is based I mean, if on you wanna, if you want to use that at a trial. Once it's left, once it's left the chain of evidence, it's useless in a trial. I'm I'm not going to disagree with you at all, Joe. This is this is based on the research that Bartz is saying he did. He's saying that Johnson and Johnson was doing all of the testing and that it wasn't a crime lab. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it's, it's conceivable, but I still find it really hard to believe. Well, they were the ones who did the recall, so they were the ones who had a lot of the pills. It's yeah, no. like they And were... that might be, hey, we've already got them all here. Let us just test them, and we'll save you the time, and we'll incur we the, the cost. Labs, it's all, yeah. you know. No, I know. I, I know. I read an interview with this guy in which he said that the FBI just shipped all this stuff straight to Johnson and Johnson, who destroyed it. And, and but I'm really finding that hard to believe. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it does make you lift an eyebrow. Yeah. Here's the next thing. There was a victim. We talked about her a couple of times Mm -hmm. now, Mary Reiner. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing with Mary. She had just come home from the hospital because she had just had a baby. Oh. Yeah. Congratulations, Mary. Well, that's really depressing now. Yeah, I know. It's not not so happy. Mm -mm. Tylenol was the major brand used by hospitals for pain relief. Okay. It was their go-to, and they liked the extra strength Tylenol. Right. Mary didn't have in her home a bottle of extra strength Tylenol. 
she had a bottle of regular Tylenol, which mm. was her preferred brand. Style? Yeah. Style, yeah. Yeah, it was, her, it, was, it was the one that she liked. Mm. The pills that were in that bottle were not regular strength. They were extra strength Tylenol. Okay. Bart speculates that what happened is that she was sent home from the hospital with a single day's dosage of extra strength Tylenol mm. and said, well, I can keep them in this little thingy you gave me or I can just drop them in my Tylenol bottle. So she put them in the bottle that she already had in her home. How many pills were in the bottle? Uh, there was there would have been a day's dosage. I think it's one dose every four hours, four typically to six. four to six. It's so they two gave two pills every four to six hours. Two pills every four to six hours, twenty four hours. That's like ten pills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ten plus pills somewhere, somewhere in there. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, minus what she took, of course. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, all of the pills that were found and identified to have been laced with potassium cyanide were in stores. No hospital stock was listed as tampered and contaminated with. Were the rest of the pills in her regular pill bottle extra strength or regular? They were all the extra strength. It was almost as if it was an empty bottle. So I do this. I, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but like when I go to the store, it's cheaper and more effective to just buy like a big bottle mm -hmm. of the pills and but you don't want to keep that in your medicine cabinet so you keep that someplace else but you just keep refilling mm -hmm. and it's just yeah. whatever bottle you had so i guess it's possible that she was doing that yeah that's and that's why possible. i'm thinking that she must have well that's why bart says she must have taken the hospital pills that she was given yeah, but she and could have also purchased extra strength i mean she was pregnant she was nine months pregnant you kind of bump it up a little bit i feel right, like that, that's probably true you know yeah. it but gets would... a little more painful so she bought it up to a large bottle of extra strength but, but she had her regular bottle left over I mean, that's possible i don't know i don't know i don't know i i never saw anything saying that that was in her house but here's sure. here's here's what the problem is sure this begs to say that the tampering happened Somewhere than other than between the store oh, and the consumer. Yeah, somewhere further. She up had the pills chain. from the hospital because she had pills yeah. from the hospital. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe. Um, no, but... it, it's it raises issues because everything we've told was somebody pulled them off the shelf, tampered them, put them back. So maybe now you that means the wrong in... bottle. Say what? that again? No, I mean, it's also possible that you grab an extra or a regular strength Tylenol instead of an extra strength Tylenol. And oh, the person that got was tampering? All of the pills, yeah, and you're just throwing pills back in bottles and, uh, yeah. you know, you got a bunch of extra strength in a regular one and stick that's it back possible. on the shelf. It, yeah, that's a good that's, point. That's absolutely possible. And also, I don't know. And also, the Bart's Rosebook, and you probably should note that he used to work for Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, he used to whistleblower. And, and mm. he, was, he was fired. Um, but uh, so he might have a bit of a... We might have a bit of a bias there. But. Yeah. But this does suggest that it was they, the pills were tampered with. But before they hit before, distribution. Right. Exactly. It, it would suggest that, except for like what, what Devin says. But also, where did Bart's get that from? Was it, is that actually in, a, in an FBI report? That I, I don't know where, I don't know where Bart's got that information. That's why I wanted to get the book, and I haven't been able to track down a copy of it yet. Mm -hmm. Johnson & Johnson, the I man. Think, I believe it's, <laughs> from what I understand, it's a self-published book. You probably got to go to his website and order that, a copy Well, that would explain there. why I couldn't find it. In, on Amazon? Well, no, I was actually looking in like the library and mm. places like that for free copies, sure. just to be able to get an electronic copy to read yeah. fast. But, so a lot of problems. He, Bars is basically saying that what Johnson & Johnson has told us is an outright lie. Mm. If this whole hospital poison connection is true. The other thing that Bart says is that there is collusion between the FDA and Johnson and Johnson. That is specifically related to evidence that was given by the FDA about how long it would take for the potassium cyanide to corrode and break through the walls of the capsule. Yeah, it's probably pretty caustic. Yeah. He has said that their timeline of it, he's, he's hinted at that they may have fudged it so that it said that it acted faster than it really could have. In other words, 
he's saying that Johnson and Johnson said, oh yeah, no, you'd be able to tell the pills would be rotting away in a matter of days. I'm making this part up a, a presumption. I'm just using this as an example where in actual fact, it would be a matter of weeks before the corrosion would be enough to destroy the pills. Sure. I think the timeline that you've just used is probably off, but yeah. Yeah. yeah no, and I know that timeline is off, right. but I'm just using that. That's what he's saying because he's saying Johnson and Johnson put that out so that they could say that it wasn't in the pill before it left their hands. It's important to note that the FBI initially didn't think that the bottles that had the poison pills had been opened before they reached those consumers. So the FBI was curious. There was a, uh, a DA who looked into this but got shut down. They didn't. They had some reason to believe the bottles had not been opened before they were bought. That is according to him, yes, according, according to, to Bartz. How could they possibly know that? Because by the time they've examined the bottles, the bottles have been opened. I, I know. Except for the ones is. that they pulled from the shelves. Mm-hmm. Oh, the ones that were, that were poisoned? Okay, but yeah. even then, I mean, but how do they an, tell? How could you possibly yeah, tell? Yeah, if it's a plastic snap lid and that's it, it's really hard to tell. I yeah. don't understand that. No, and the no. only way they were able to, to find out that those bottles had poison pills in them was to open them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, you know, I yeah. guess the, the presumption is, right, is that you get, you have, you in the lab, you get all these bottles and you go, okay, bottle one, open, uh, okay, it was sealed, test all the pills, no, nothing in there, okay, cool. Bottle two, open, okay, it was sealed, oh, there's poison in these, right? Yeah. But I, again, I have, Literally never encountered a pill bottle that didn't have the five different millions of seals. Yeah, you're so I have the, no idea what uh, that yeah, would have I, been. I remember the old ones where it was with the cotton that's mm-hmm. in there to keep the pills from rattling around so they don't destroy themselves. Yeah. That used to be in, it was kind of a tube of cotton that was bent in the middle. So let's just say it was, I don't know, four inches long. So it folded in half was a two inch strip uh-huh. because you could tell that a machine pushed it into the bottle to fold it and then pulled back out. Uh. So it could be as simple as, well, this is weird. That cotton is just jammed into the bottle oh, and yeah. doesn't look like it should be. That's fair. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is speculation on my part as yeah. much as yours, yeah. but that's the only thing that I can guess. Mm. The thing that I think that we should also bring up so that folks understand some of why maybe there's issues with what Bartz is saying is how Tylenol was produced because there was the manufacturing plant, like we said before, it's Pennsylvania and Puerto Rico, and they made the raw stuff. What was in the middle or what was in the capsule? Yeah, the powder. They then sent that in a drum. Mm -hmm. to another plant where that plant put it in the capsule, put them in the bottle, and then shipped them. What a tedious job it would be filling those capsules. That's why we have robots now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's but, yeah. yeah. One guy with a little with a little spoon. Yeah. It's yeah. a spoon. <laughs> a I don't think so. Three yeah. scoops at a time. Yeah. But so it's it's possible. That at that second step where the mix was put into the capsule, it could have been poisoning inserted at that point. Yeah. Now I don't I don't buy what Bart's is saying. Yeah, he sounds kinda like a disgruntled ex employee. Yeah. He's a whistleblower and he seems to have taken on a crusade against the pharmaceutical industry in general. Yeah, and also I just don't see how um I don't see how that it could have been tainted at this particular point at that that production facility or that packaging facility and then wind up only in a very small, small area of Chicago. Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to disagree yeah. with that at all. Yeah. That, again, that's the problem. But I think that's the problem with a lot of these conspiracy theories is that it is cause and effect A focused to B focused yeah. without looking at all the surrounding factors. Yeah. Hmm. That, unfortunately, is all of our potential suspects. Mm. I, I I don't know which one to, to go to. None I mean, of them are great. I mean, unfortunately, that silly FBI profile is the most likely 
Bud. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but we'd, um, he would have continued it for a lot longer, probably. You would think. Unless, yeah. as you said, that person was locked up for some reason. That's whether it be a psychiatric a or yeah. just a, a prison scenario. Yeah, I'm, st- I'm still liking the idea that it was, uh, it was actually somebody who knew one of the original people who died and wanted to kill them. And I would say, FBI, go find out which victim had chronic pain issues, you know, and find out who wanted <laughs> right. to kill that person, and there you go. It's always all right. Joe's theory. Yeah. Well, if you, our listeners, have any theories of your own, feel free to share those with us. If you go to our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, you can leave a comment on the website. Of course, we will have links to some of our research as well as this and every other episode that we've had for you to listen to there. Most folks don't listen to it on our website. A lot of folks go to iTunes. If you're at iTunes, do please take the time to leave a comment and a rating. That helps other folks find us. If you're not using iTunes, you're probably streaming us through one of the bazillion services, whether it be um, Stitcher or anybody else that's out there. If you're using one of those, fantastic. Follow the feed. You can always go ahead and get in contact with us directly if you want by sending us an email. That email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media, which means that you can find us on Twitter, which is thinking, drop the G, sideways, on Twitter. Or, of course, we're also on Facebook, so we've got the group and the page, Mm -hmm. which are super crazy busy. We, of course, also have, uh, as Devin likes to say, merch. Mm-hmm. We've got some shirts and some other stuff like that available for the show. If you like that, you can always go to our website, and right there on the right-hand sidebar, you'll see a link to Zazzle, which links directly to our store. If you like the shirts, you want a shirt, buy a shirt. Yeah. It's fun. I nope, still no actually pressure. need to buy a shirt. I need to, too. Yeah. Yeah, you do. There's a donate button there, too, just as a fun little... Oh, yeah, that's right. We do have that on there. I know. I keep forgetting. Uh... (laughs) Actually, I'm just thinking if I bought a Thinking Sideways shirt, then I could wash this shirt. Yeah. You need to wash that shirt, (laughs) brother. Would you please? Yeah. Yeah, please do. All right, gang. Well, that is all of the pertinent facts and details that I can think that we have to give to everybody. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Ta-ta, everybody. Bye, guys. Do you have a Tylenol? I got a headache. <laughs>